this is our third special episode of Chew Diligence. Uh, Jill and I wanted to start doing episodes a little differently because honestly, the world has changed so drastically for all of us. Uh, these are very difficult times for everyone. And Jill, the hospitality industry that we know and love and want to talk about, which is why we started this podcast, is is hurting drastically. Yeah, Lindsay, they're, um, they're just really struggling. And unfortunately, they just don't know what it looks like on the other side. And yeah. there's some pretty dire predictions um, every day coming out of various news organizations um, and pundits, you know, and people who know um, about how difficult this is going to be to start restaurants up again. And they're really up against a lot. So I can just tell you with the people that I work with and what I see out there, you know, some people have already decided to close down for the duration. Um, other people are uh, soldiering ahead, doing the best they can with curbside takeout. And still others are saying, you know, I can't do this, but I'm going to feed people. And so we've got a lot of models going on out there. Um, it, and nobody really knows where they'll end up at the end. And I think what's scariest for most of these people that we talk to is they're not corporations. They don't have a lot of money. Um, <clears throat> so they really are looking at, uh, you know, debt that seems just crushing and how they will be able to come back. And I think there's just that segment of small independent restaurants that we know and love um, that really are, are, they're in a danger zone. And um, hopefully Congress and state officials and other people will be finding ways to help keep them open down the road. And what that help might look like as we were recording, um, things are getting close to that, but also when they might get that. They they the class too. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking today to um, Father Matthews from Thelma's Kitchen, which is um, what, what you're going to hear from Father Justin, Jill, I don't know about you, but it's just heartbreaking to hear how much more people have needed them and how much more they need all of us right now. Yeah, it's, it's a fabulous model um, and they have really built themselves up to do wonderful work. And now they're being asked to change their model as well because they're feeding yeah. everyone, we find out, not just who can pay. Um, so it, we're just in a, I mean, I can't even believe it's been two weeks, can you, since this yeah. sort of surreal world happened. And every day, almost every hour, things are changing. Yeah. Um, people are adapting as best as they can. So, so just a reminder for all of you out there, we want to continue to hear your stories. So if you want to be a part of the podcast and you are out there in the hospitality industry in our area and you have a story to tell, uh, message us on Instagram. Uh, and today, Jill, we're also going to talk to Carlos Mortera. Give us a little bit of background on Carlos. So Carlos is the chef um, behind uh, The Bite, which is down in the city market. And also he opened Casey Pollo. Um, I'm going to have to ask him but I think it was a little over a year ago, um, and that's over in the west side. And um, just from some texting that we did back and forth, I know he's, he's really struggling and worried that if he doesn't, you know, keep going, he might not be able to open again. So um, this, this will be a check-in to see, you know, how he's doing, but it's one that we'll need to keep doing with people because things are changing daily. 
and we're wishing him and everyone else out there, you know, really the best. On this episode of True Diligence, Jill and I uh, have kind of changed the way we're doing things again, just with the situation that everyone is in. So many of you working from home, Jill and I working remotely. Uh, Sam, producer Sam is uh, at 41 Action News and set up a Zoom meeting for us. I know so many of you are using that. And we were able to bring Father Justin Matthews from Reconciliation Services and Thelma's Kitchen in on Zoom. Father, thanks for joining us. It's great to be back with you. Thank you, Lindsay. So, Jill, we talked to Father Matthews before about Thelma's, but you and I have both noticed that uh, they've been facing a lot of changing times like so many other restaurants, too. Absolutely. I've been watching Father Justin do a whole bunch of social media to let people know what's going on. Um, and so I wonder if you can run us down on some of the uh, organizational challenges you guys are having, but you're, it seems like the city's pulling together to figure out how to feed people in need. Well, Jill, you, you named it correctly. The city has drastically changed for all of us, but if you can imagine uh, being working poor and being on the edge of homelessness or having just lost your job and never asked for assistance before or going into this situation and not being able to shelter in place because you don't have shelter. All of those situations are the things that we're seeing at the front door of Thelma's Kitchen and Reconciliation Services today. But things are really different in terms of our operations just before the city closed all of the restaurants, we had a sense of what was coming. Our ear was to the rail, so to speak, because of just the work that we do. And we had a feeling that we were going to need to take extra safety precautions. So we went ahead and closed down Thelma's Kitchen uh, before everyone else and began trying to figure out how were we going to serve the community to make sure that the one out of eight people in Kansas City that suffer from food insecurity, and certainly the number is larger now, but that they were still going to be able to eat and that the rest of our social services and trauma therapy would continue to be available. Father, uh, we know that um, a couple of places in town have decided to go with a pay-as-you-can model to help feed people, which is just amazing. That's the model that you guys have been operating under at Thelma's uh, for some time now. And we talked to harvesters who said they were even surprised by how quickly the need for their services went up in just that first week or so that we were all really seeing the effects of COVID-19 hit the Kansas City area. What kind of increase in demand have you guys seen in this time for meals? Well, the demand has over doubled. You know, in a normal lunch period from 11 to 2, we were serving, you know, on average 125 to 150 meals. And uh, yesterday and then the preceding days, we're serving anywhere between 275 to 350 meals, depending on the weather and on the day. And there's a lot that is different because instead of being a donate what you can restaurant, we're actually just giving out the food uh, at the front door. And I'm so excited to see other restaurants who are normally, you know, expensive or normally priced restaurants embracing the donate what you can model. I don't know that they did that because of us, but I sure feel excited about Kansas City embracing that as a model so that those who 
need to eat can and that the community that we can still build is able to be uh, built as limited as we are to be able to get together. But, you know, for our case, we're just giving away food at 31st and Troost, which has been a massive change in operations. And when you say giving away food, is that it groceries or are we talking about cooked meals still, Father? Yeah, we've partnered with a number of pantries um, that are in Kansas City. And so we are not doing food pantry and groceries. Uh, we have a, a radical aversion to duplication of services. So we're still cooking hot, daily prepared, fresh, uh, healthy meals. And uh, we're packaging in, in to-go containers and just giving it away at the front door. What's amazing is actually to see some of our regulars who are from the low-income community still wanting to donate what they can, 25 cents or a dollar. But, you know, most of the, the paying patrons are, are gone now. We, we have not had, gosh, at least this week, I can't think of more than one or two people that might have been full price paying patrons uh, who've come by for a delivery or, I mean, excuse me, for a curbside delivery or for a pickup. And so obviously as a social venture that uses all of the income from Thelma's Kitchen, not only to provide healthy meals, but to support the social services and trauma therapy services that we do, uh, it's a pretty massive hit to our model and to our ability to provide those other essential services in addition to food to the community. So your uh, demand has doubled and you guys need money right now. We do. I mean, a lot of nonprofits have closed. Those that are still open are like us. They are serving the most vulnerable population and we are all um, community nonprofits. None of us are sitting on top of massive reserves or foundations. But we are excited to partner with the Kansas City Foundation's United Way and the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation. And there's been an outpouring from the foundation community of a coordinated response, frankly, the fastest that I've ever seen in my life. And they are um, trying to make available uh, COVID-19 related emergency funding. And I'm very hopeful that that will help us make up some of the gap but right now, having not received those funds or not being sure how much might come, because there are so many of us who, who serve the, the community, over 100 of us, uh, that certainly isn't going to make up the delta, the difference. So we're depending right now on the incredible generosity of Kansas City and those who really care about their neighbors being um, cared for in a time when maybe there isn't anybody to support them like so many of us have. Father, I saw that you post that you also are in dire need of volunteer chefs, uh, which makes sense you said the need is doubled. My question was when I saw that, um, I'm sure you've been talking with the city and Mayor Lucas a lot. Is it okay for people to come volunteer from a stay at home order? Have you heard anything about that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. We have been in touch with uh, John Stam at the mayor's office, and um, we're coordinating and collaborating with all of the nonprofits. We're a little bit different because we're an essential service and, and have confirmed that with the mayor. Now, that being said, we're taking every precaution. We are um, taking temperatures every day and asking the CDC questions and um, taking all of the normal safety precautions that we're all getting used to now and, and then above and beyond some. 
we're still seeing therapy clients. We are still serving food, uh, but it's very different. We've moved to as much teletherapy and telecase management as we can. But as you can imagine, distributing food is a um, person-to-person endeavor. We do need volunteer chefs. We can't take you know, five or 10 people all at once. But if we could have a rotation of one or two people, uh, line preps or cooks that wanted to come in and help us, we are running on a skeleton crew. I'll tell you, my team, the staff here and some of our core volunteers are just heroes to me. They're here every day and they're bringing such joy. But I'll tell you, there are a few things that we need in in addition to money. Um, Certainly money enables us to be able to buy the food, to partner with harvesters, to buy the things that harvesters doesn't supply. And if you go to our website, thelmaskitchen.org, you can not only donate to sponsor meals and other social services, but we have a list there of some things that are difficult to get. For example, we're now using those styrofoam clamshell to-go containers, which we had gotten away from because of environmental sustainability. But given these times, we've gone back to that because of the, the dire need. But those are not inexpensive. We need coffee cups with lids. We need plastic grocery bags to be able to hand out to people who are on their bikes or walking uh, the food that they're getting. And and then a whole host of other essential supplies that you can imagine that are required to run a commercial kitchen. Um, Those things are not easy to come by uh, today in grocery stores or in harvesters. So if there are restaurants that are closed or if there are people that have access to those things and they'd be willing to donate them and drop them off at 3101 Troost, we'd be so grateful. But of course, the financial donations are what are what are enabling us to keep our frontline staff working every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Jill, you got to imagine the other, the to-go items are running low because everyone is switching to the to-go and carry-out right now. That would make sense. Yeah, actually, I was speaking with a client recently who is moving to the pay-as-you-can uh, model, and he was saying the same thing. We need we need takeout um, receptacles, I guess, or, you know, yeah, things to hold things that can go out of the door. And um, also describing very much how the critical points, um, it's very different now to make sure that there's no contamination of food. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that uh, Father Matthews, your, your kitchen staff, is, is training everyone who walks through the door. Yeah, Jill, it was really interesting. We had, in the first week that we were closed, we had a surprised health inspection, which was good from the health department, and, and uh, Dr. Rex Archer has been a fan and a supporter. But we've always been, as a commercial kitchen, subject to every restaurant inspection that a full-fledged high-end restaurant would would be subject to. And I'm proud to report that we had a 100% score passed with flying colors. And um, that takes a lot of work, as any uh, restaurant you know, owner understands. And, and that's what we should expect. We always have food safety managers and and uh, you know safe serve uh, managers who are certified on site. We also do all of the normal things that you have to do, and we're doing those things during really unprecedented and difficult times. And you know we're also uh, running the same kind of 
um, operation to make sure that the food remains safe. So not only in the kitchen, but also as it gets plated, um, making sure that those to-go containers are properly done, the volunteers are overseen, that all of the you know gloves and proper safety equipment is being used. The last thing any of us want is for particularly somebody who is homeless or somebody who is working poor and really needs the food to get sick because there's some you know food poisoning. You know, thankfully, we've never had that at Thelma's Kitchen. We always take food safety and quality of food uh, as paramount uh, importance. But even now, while we're so different from our normal operations, we're still focusing on that. We want to make sure that our food, you know, remains as much as we can on brand, you know, so to speak. Of course, it's very different, but it's still hot, home-cooked, nutritious. We don't just, we just don't have as many options as perhaps we did in the past. And can I ask, Father, you know, there might be somebody listening who has recently found themselves uh, uh, with a, a little more tighter budget than they're used to, and they may not consider themselves as in need as other people. Uh, what would you say to someone who, kind of like you referenced earlier, maybe hasn't necessarily needed assistance before, but now finds themselves in that situation? There are so many people who have never asked for help before, but are looking at their checkbook and looking at their kids and their family and their mortgages and their rent payments and thinking, how in the world can I stretch these dollars to last the longest possible? And we are the farthest thing from a soup kitchen that you can imagine. And I want to make sure your your listeners understand that Thelma's Kitchen has been a five-star uh, Yelp-rated restaurant in Kansas City, and we intend to continue on with that level of quality. And anybody is welcome. And I'll tell you, uh, Jill and Lindsay, it's been really uh, difficult to see how the population that's coming has already shifted. You know, we've seen a number of people who were working in the construction trade or who were teachers um, who, again, we just don't see them on a normal basis. They were new faces and new patrons for for us. And, you know, to see them coming, it really, again, it's sort of like a, an indicator of what's to come. And when I hear people say, gosh, it's going to be uh, better by such and such a date, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Because I think before the normal news cycle sees what's happening, those who are on the front lines are seeing it, you know, a little bit of a wave beforehand, an early indicator. <clears throat> so we encourage anyone and everyone who wants to either support our work or who themselves need a little helping hand right now for them, uh, for their family, we encourage them to come to 31st and Truce. And there's so much joy. We just love to see you. We'd love to welcome you to Thelma's Kitchen 2.0, temporarily 2.0, and uh, anyone is welcome. The one thing that we do ask, because we don't know how much food to prepare every day, things are just different, we do ask that you, anyone who is wanting food be present on site. And I think that makes us a little different than some of the restaurants that are doing pay what you can, but are still um, probably operating closer to their normal clientele who are you know, coming for to-go meals for their family and have the ability to pay. The number of people that are coming to Thelma's Kitchen now who can pay 
nothing or who can pay just a little is overwhelming. And so we, we're not seeing the same clientele, the people who are coming, the working poor, the homeless, and those who could be homeless. Um, we're here for them. We're here for you if you need help. 31st and Troost, we'd, we'd just welcome you. And hopefully this will all be over soon and we'll go back to being the normal Thelma's kitchen. But for now, we're committed to staying on the front line. Um, Lindsay, I wanted to just kind of interject here that there, I just read this morning, 68,000 people filed for unemployment last week in Missouri and Kansas. So we know the need is going to be huge. Yes, absolutely. So many people are struggling with this. Father Justin, thank you for talking to us this morning and we'll make sure people hear about the need that Thelma's has and that so many other restaurants are facing right now. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and I want to leave you, I want to leave you with this thought. Um, if you go to thelmaskitchen.org, you can make a donation. And when you do that, we're leveraging that donation sometimes four and five times on the dollar to be able to really take care of the community that is struggling so much right now. And we've got to pull together as a city. And frankly, that's what we're known for. We're here to reveal the strength of this city. And when things go back to normal, we'll have our work cut out, particularly at Thelma's Kitchen, reinstituting our Donate What You Can culture. And we believe in that radical participation. But for now, all of the meals that we're handing out are free. And that's because of the generosity of people listening right now and many others. So thank you for the opportunity. And uh, I'll hope to get back on with you and give you an update when we come through these trying times and be able to share with you more about what we're seeing and how things are going. Absolutely, we would love that. Thank you. We're both nodding our head vigorously. Yes. Do get back. Thank you so much. Thank you. We want to thank Carlos Mortera for calling in for this special episode. Uh, thank you so much for giving us the time. We know this has just been such, such a difficult time for you and all the other restaurant in town. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, uh, I still don't know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> we're kind of rolling with the punches and we're adapting as, as every day to the new normal for, for a while. So, again, thank you for having me. It's a good break from reality. Yeah. Well, or maybe not. Run us, run us through a little bit of what's going on at your restaurants right now for people who don't know what you're doing or, or even maybe what restaurants you own. Okay. So, yeah. So, I own uh, two restaurants, and uh, we also have a catering, catering company. Uh, the, we have a sandwich shop in the city market called The Bites and a chicken restaurant uh, named Pollo in the west side. Uh, and we do a lot of weddings events uh, through The Bites as well. So, yeah, I had a lot of cancellations. Uh, it started with that when, when the first outcomes and the first cases started in Kansas City. They were telling us to stay away. Uh, I, I we do a lot of events and they just start canceling left and right or postponing for weddings that we had on the books. Uh, so that was our first hit. Uh, I remember that the Monday when uh, the mayor said that, you know, we, we can't have dine-in, it has to be everything to go. That was my panicking freak out day. 
and I went on, you know, what do we need to do? We are uh, lucky to set up the restaurants to do a lot of delivery and takeout. So we just needed to use that resource that we had to try to stay open. Uh, I feel like if I would have closed the doors, it would have been hard to stay to open again. Um, been talking to a lot of uh, restaurant friends that they're on the same boat that they don't know if they should close or stay open. Um, so we had a staff meeting, and I asked all my staff, "It's like I'm not making you stay, but this is a reality, and." What do you guys want to do? And that's when we all we all decided to stay open. Uh, it, it's something to do. It keeps our mind occupied. on the best thing, you know, with the restaurant and the day-to-day -day activity. Uh, so we came up with a plan on new procedures of cleaning. So we sanitize the restaurant every half an hour. Uh, everybody wears gloves, I, likely like in every restaurant. But now we went to a state measure that we're not really accepting cash. Uh, yeah, it's it's been insane. <laughs> I bet it's been really tough to keep up. And I wonder, are you receiving any resources or do you just have to be resourceful on your own? And what resources would you be using at this point to, to keep navigating uh, a lot? Yeah, so I am... Um, one of those guys that we don't have investors of any of our restaurants, we do it out of our own pocket. Uh, so it makes it even harder. I've uh, been looking at resources, but uh, money-wise, but I, you know, I feel like there's other people that can use that more than we can. So we just decided to, you know, stay on our own and call all, you know, our landlords are working on some rent relief for all of us. You know, one of my most important thing was paying my employees first. Uh, that's mainly where most of the money that we're making right now is going to, so they don't have to, you know, apply for unemployment because I feel like older people can use it more. And that this is from them, not me. Uh, you know, they're they're getting paid. Um, we we uh, thought about doing a GoFundMe, but again, you know, we. We thought if we could just be open and, and sell and adapt, change our menus, now we're doing more of a family style, we'll be able to maybe pass this and get through. Um, you know, I, I, I've always said other people might need more help than we do. That's why we're not trying to get use those resources yet uh, that are available, but if we have to, we will do. <laughs> Carlos, have you thought about applying for any small business disaster loans and, and kind of talk to people about the pros and cons from your perspective of doing that? So, I mean, I, I you know, I, like I said, I, I, we are all, every restaurant we have opened out of our own pockets. We have taken small loans, but nothing big before. I uh, researched some of the SBA loans and stuff. Uh, and you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know yet. Uh, we started applying just in, just to see if we would qualify or stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot of um, unknowns on some of those. <laughs> uh, 
so we're waiting. Uh, I talked to uh, our insurance agent and see, you know, what can they do. And he luckily has uh, different options for small businesses. Um, and we're navigating through and see what, what the best alternative is. Uh, but honestly, you know, right now with the deliveries, with the online ordering, uh, we haven't seen that much of a decline on our businesses. Wow. Uh, and and uh, we were just doing some, you know, numbers last night. And we, if we're doing the sales that we're doing, we can keep our doors open. We can pay some of our bills and we can pay our employees. And I think we'll be fine. Uh, as we are adapting to a more delivery and and carry out, uh, we have expanded our delivery areas. And uh, you know, I I honestly we've been grinding since day one, trying to accommodate every day. You know, to family meals, to delivery areas, to you know what if I was in my house with my kids, what do I want? Right. Uh, in in in. You know, so we we're trying to to just keep doing it on our own without help from the government or anything like that. Because I feel like some other people might need it more. That's really uh, encouraging to hear that your um, carry out delivery business has been pretty steady. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and we have a lot of followers that they used to come during the week. Like yesterday, I had a guy drive all the way from Paola because he works downtown. But he knows that we're doing the meals at the bites, and he wanted to buy a bunch of stuff and take back to his house. Uh, he from Paola. That's you know I don't know how far is that. Maybe up close to an hour. Uh, so it is we getting stories like that uh, at Pollo. We have a regular that comes with his family sometimes three or four times a week, and he brought he bought something, brought gave us a two hundred dollar tip. And you know, gave it to the employees, and and, and just wow. cases like that, it's been happening more and more. Where, you know, I I, it's I was surprised, like, uh, and it's encouragement. Just the words from you know your regulars and other people is like, thank you for being open. Here's some extra money for your employees. We drove all the way from Paola. We drove all the way from Lee Summit because we miss your food. It's it's very encouraging and it it keeps us going uh, and knowing that we're doing something right. Can I ask you? Um, I I feel like um, in a good way there was a surge to help restaurants and small businesses from people at home. Just as the reality and shock of this all set in, is there any part of you that wonders if this situation continues over the next several weeks that people will continue? to order out and get delivery and takeout like that. Jill, do you know what I mean? Or, or... Yeah, I mean, I wonder at what point is there maybe a little bit of uh, fatigue, I guess, or people who just yeah. don't have money anymore. Mm -hmm. And we have thought about that alternative. I mean, we're, uh, we do a industry discount for everybody that calls us in and their service industry, we, we're giving out discounts. You know, I've been in the service industry most of my life. I know what it is, living paycheck to paycheck or yeah. waiting for that day. So you can make $100 in tips and you can pay yourself on bill. Uh, it, it's it's tough uh, in, you know, talking to 
empowered from the rigor, uh, you know, what they started doing with their community kitchen. I was like, I wish I could had the staff, the resources to be able to do that. Like if I could just give free food or pay as you go, trust me, I will do that. Right. Because as chefs, as industry people, we like to serve our community. We want to support our community, you know. Uh, we get a lot of requests every day, every restaurant owner is from uh, nonprofits. And we all have our favorite nonprofits that we donate our time, our food, our efforts to be able to bring more money, you know. And, and talking like that is like uh, talking to uh, some restaurant friends. I'm like, I, I, I sometimes I just want to type a mail and send it to all these people that I have supported over my six years and be like, you know, if you can at least share our restaurant, share that we're open, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, I'm not asking for a payback, but that will be great. Uh, <laughs> you know, all the free food, all the times and efforts that we have done for or, or non-charity or any other organizations. I mean, it just feel like this is their time for them to step up now and help us uh, help the restaurant world. It's, it's, we love eating out. I don't know what it will be without a restaurant. Like, you know, everybody knows somebody that's working in a restaurant has worked in a restaurant. Uh, and, and now that we all need your help, you know, the community's help too. And I understand everybody's going through a tough time, but you know, we will be here to serve and yeah, I uh, <laughs> have a, there's a lot of emotions and a lot of thoughts happen to my head. <laughs> Understandable. This is, this yeah. is scary yeah. for so many people. I, how many folks um, do work for you, Carlos? Right now we have about 15 people. Uh, I had to, a lot of them were part-time that help us at the catering. Um, so I'm trying to find everybody some hours and, you know, I had 18 events canceled so, or canceled or postponed and that was 18. Yeah. And that was a big chunk of money that we used to, you know, kind of, we were hoping to have, uh, I'm having a kid on June. (laughs) So I purposely, yeah, we were expecting in June. That's just another added stress to my life right now. Oh, uh, yeah, so we like purposely, can't, I purposely wasn't taking events on June because I knew my April and May were going to be really good. Uh, and I'll be able to take some time from work and, and be able not to, you know, try to be around my wife and my kid. But that didn't happen. So <laughs> we're just now trying to, again, adapt as we go. Uh, we have some a group chat with some restaurant owners that will come up with ideas and, and we uh, try to feed energy from one another of the ones that we still open and what can we do, you know? Uh, that's that's a big one. What can all we do to help each other out? Uh, it, it's also another one that we're, we're doing uh, and trying to all of us figure it out. Carlos, I've been wondering about how chefs are communicating with each other and people in the industry. Um, aside from 
just you know commiserating and helping each other are you guys organizing at all to sort of let government officials uh, know what it is that you guys need you have a, sort of a powerful you could have a powerful voice if you were if you were united are you guys all kind of working on some of that uh, I mean, I'm not, there's a petition uh, that has been shared around uh, social media and Facebook. Uh, honestly, I've been I've been busier than I usually am, so I haven't really had time to, you know, like on at the city market, we have we're trying to organize all the owners of the shops to see if we can, uh, you know, we're working out with the rent with the with the with the landlords there. Uh, we all have talk about you know what are, what's the city going to do because you know so many restaurants in Kansas City that that we pay our taxes it's 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 money for the city um i mean we kind of talked about uh but i haven't really uh done more of my part to be able to to towards that like to honestly like i'm just been trying i'm on a survival mode right now um yeah kind of waiting i know we um a few days ago the mayor quentin lucas say something about a grant for small businesses especially on the industry on the restaurant industry but they were gonna uh kind of try to figure it out too as everybody's just kind of figuring out the day to day um but yeah I, we haven't much really organized other than you know how can we and this is how I feel like most of restaurant people in uh, think it's like, how can we help our community uh, first and then help ourselves? We're kind of masochists in that way, all restaurant workers. Uh, you know, we go out of the way to serve our community before we can like, something will benefit us. Um, and honestly, that's what a lot of the restaurant owners and, and chef friends that I have is kind of, what can we do to help each other, one another? It's 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 on our thoughts first before like what can we do to help ourselves? You know. You no, know, I noticed on what probably was the day that you're closed. I'm thinking you're closed on Mondays, maybe. I saw. You. Uh, we closed on Sundays at Poyo, yes. Okay. Well, you were over with Howard on. I, I'm guessing a day that you were probably not working. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I contacted him oh man, on the day before and you know I we have always been good friends talk about a lot of what can we do to help our community and I respect everything that they're doing right now uh, I know it's something that we have talked and I have talked and before about doing is like I have always wanted to start a community kitchen where you pay as you go uh, there's the chef Jose Andres that has been doing it in a giant scale by helping Puerto Rico and Katrina uh, refugees and, and, and just going around the world just trying to help people. So, you know, I when Howard told me that he was going to do this, I was like, yeah, man, I will try to help how I can. Um, and one of the things you know family meal at restaurants is one of the most important parts because that's when you get to kind of relax and take a break uh so i just told him i want to see your crew uh it might not be a big but 
it was received very well uh, by everybody was so appreciative just knowing that they have all their people thinking about them um, so yeah it, it, it was just a really really small token of appreciation to the bigger picture that they're doing uh, you know we dropped some gloves trash bags sanitizers and towels stuff that they needed that they weren't really getting donations and, and stuff uh, aside from giving them some chicken uh, so yeah it was it was a good day trying to I think they that day they had said they made 1800 meals so you know it was nothing compared to what they're doing that's for sure it's pretty amazing though how you're all helping each other it really is yeah it's and yeah and we're trying uh, like right now I, I just got to the restaurant and uh like the my neighbors me is taste of brazil and then chicken please and i think there is somebody might have given some donation money to go feed a hospital or something like that is what he was telling me don't quote me 100 percent, but on that because but yeah they're they're up early with their food trucks just kind of going to places as well um you see, i feel like this is a good time for a food truck i wish i would have had one <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, have wheels can go yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we'd be like the ice cream truck into in neighborhoods right just a little yeah i could just have be a taco truck and play a song as i go into neighborhoods well, and that's kind of what I've been wondering about some of these amazing uh, places that are doing the pay-as-you-go or even just these community kitchens. Um, there are probably folks who can't even get to those. So how do we get to them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, like, with the best resource right now that we're getting is online. You can find everything online. Uh, the That's our online ordering has, I never expected I was going to be doing this much to go food. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Is this something that's going to stick around after we hopefully all get to return to some kind of normalcy? Do you think you and other restaurants will keep the carry out model as well? Uh, we actually like kind of, you know, messing with the idea of turning pollo in just a delivery and carry out. Uh, <laughs> because we'll be able to be in a smaller space, pay less rent, and you know, not deal with all the stuff as people that come in. You know, we just kind of switch, switching on instead of dining. Why not just bring it to your house and uh, bring this? I feel like it's bringing families together a little bit more by bringing food and everybody kind of sitting at the same table. Um. So that was, you know, I was talking to my wife and we we're like, yeah, I don't, we were like, I don't think we have sat on our dining room table that much hmm. since, since, since we bought our house uh, and see, or since we got married, it's, this is the most family meals I have had. And I love it. Uh, growing up, I had family meals, you know, four out of the seven days of the week where we all sat down on the dining room table and share a meal. And I feel like, you know, there's always a light in darker times. So bringing family to sit out instead of eating on a drive-thru or eating out is just bringing a little bit more togetherness on that. Um, 
on 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 these rough times. I can't think of a better way to to end our discussion with you because that's that's an uplifting, heartwarming thought. Family time being the silver lining in these very scary times we're in, right, Jill? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's you guys are doing great by just putting the word out. Uh, you know, sharing. You know, I know Jill. You've been putting on Instagram of the different restaurants that you've been supporting. Uh, and, and that's one of the best things. People always ask us, what can I do? Is just keep sharing. Keep, keep sharing. sharing your favorite restaurants uh, online. Tell people that what meal you just picked up and, and you know how you're eating it or how you're using your leftovers from that restaurant. Uh, that's, the, that's the strongest tool old restaurants have right now, which is social media. Uh, on times like this, we where you can go to different neighborhood groups or you can, you know, just put up something out there. And, and, and that's been one of our biggest tools right now with social media. Uh, whoever would have thought that delivery and social media <laughs> was going to be one of the best tools for restaurants, you know. It really puts Instagram food in a whole new light, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I, yeah. I have become a social media savvy person from one day to another one. Uh, most of my morning goes on what am I, you know, posting and and all of that. Yeah. But what that is, involves, you know. What is your most popular meal if we're going to uh, call in an order today? Uh, <laughs> so at, at the Vibe, at the Vibe, we've been doing Taco Trace. Uh, and that's been flying out the door. Uh, I, we're a sandwich restaurant, but we're selling more tacos than sandwiches right now. So, <laughs> uh, at, at Pollo, we're doing a, a a whole chicken with four sides, half and half chicken, half rib, and a full rib. And so far, the half rib and half chicken, most popular. You get four sides of your choice, uh, and, and it's just being flying. That that one has been flying as well. Um, we we just started doing like like I say people are driving from Paola and to come eat uh, the chicken, <laughs> which is it's amazing. I, I yeah, there's so many times that I just want to break down from all the emotions and uh, you know little thoughts like that just makes makes the day uh, and it feels it feels it, it makes you feel that you're doing something good. Well, Carlos, thank you so much. Keep on doing what you're doing and we'll check back in with you. Let us know what you're, what you're doing as you go forward. It'll be really interesting to see if um, this takeout and delivery becomes maybe the new normal for you, even, even after we get through the pandemic. And a lot yeah. more for yeah. all of us at home, right? Thank you, Carlos. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, yeah, we'll be here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you're you. Welcome. Thank you.